everyone? I'm Doug Kide. Welcome to Pat's Chat. Joined as always by Michael Hurley. Mike, how are we doing today? It's uh, well, Sunday at seven twelve p.m. We're watching the Cowboys Niners game and podcasting. Yeah, I have a. I have just want to say something because when you came on, I didn't get the what's up. It was sort of blocked out. What's so up? Do it again. Yeah, the, the listeners deserve that. I'll tell you this, Doug. Um, doing poorly, doing poorly because uh, I'm going away this summer with mm-hmm. my brother and his family. He has mm-hmm. two kids. I have two kids. And we, we spent a week finding the right Airbnb, finally got it right, hit the submit, hit the pay, whatever. F- so excited. So thrilled to have that done with. Five minutes later, I got a message. Uh, I don't know why I let you book. We're booked all summer. Sorry. And I had to cancel it. And now we're like back to square one. Not feeling good. So that's where I'm at. Cranky. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Mm-hmm. We we usually do like a Cape trip each summer on the 4th of July, which I don't know if you've heard, but that's a pretty uh, popular week to be on the, on the Cape. Yeah, are there any like fireworks? Yeah, there's, there's going on there? nothing going on that week. Um, and we're always like, oh, we should book that in like January. And then April comes around and we're like, oh, we should actually book that now. And then we're like, oh, now we have to pay way more money than we would have booked well, before. Well, that's the thing. Back there is January. a place. There's a place we like. We like to go to old. Well, my family likes to go to Old Orchard Beach in Maine. No, don't know if you've ever been. Mm. classic Americana vacation, yep. beach, carnival, ice cream, pizza, all that. Um, there is a place, but it's double what we were going to book today. So do we pay double? I don't know. Do you want to ask your daughter? Like, Old Orchard, ask her if she'd like to go to Old Orchard. Old Orchard, it's a nice place. I can't uh, say it. Hallie, Hallie, do you prefer Old Orchard Beach or the Cape? Um, she just yes. said yes. Yeah, yes. that's a good answer. Yep, yes. Answer. So she'll go to either one. Uh, All right. My well, wife if is you want to get in our podcast, this place yeah. is double the cost. So we might need another family. There's only one more bed, but you can figure <laughs> we'll that figure, out. We'll figure yeah. that out. Beautiful. All right. Well, we'll talk about me being sick in a little bit so that we can actually get to some Patriots and NFL talk uh, before everyone tunes out. We had the same thought, actually. Uh, we were putting together our rundown and one of your thoughts, you had a Bill O'Brien thought. Mm-hmm. And since you're the one who put uh keyboard to computer mm. and uh sent this to me i'll let you say it first but i do want everyone to know that i had the same thought good my thought is because we're very new england focused in new england we're very patriots focused in new england mm-hmm. and when 10 offensive coordinator positions opened up and multiple head coach positions opened up there was a sort of nervousness or hesitation or whatever you might want to call it, some some worry that Bill O'Brien might get a better job offer somewhere else, that you had to act fast because, mm-hmm. boy, this guy might be a hot commodity. And I find it interesting that by Sunday night, we haven't heard but one crumb of information or morsel or nervousness or report or whatever that any other team in the world is interested in hiring Bill O'Brien. And I'm not saying that to say, wow, Bill O'Brien's trash. I am saying that to say... Does Bill O'Brien need the Patriots as much as the Patriots need Bill O'Brien? That's my question. And and based on in reports, sometimes miss things, and there's a lot of openings. So maybe this is not there are options being not reported, but I feel like the answer is yes. I feel like the team needs him and he needs the team. I I think I saw someone this might be wildly inaccurate. Like this might have been a joke that I just read and now I'm repeating it. it. Did I read that there's like thirteen open offensive coordinator positions. So I read 13 on a tweet. I know there's 10. Okay. But then a day later, someone said 13. And maybe that 
includes I don't know the Cardinals in the Panthers. Are there other? Okay, I mean, so that yeah, you know, that that would I guess right? Like teams without head coaches need offensive coordinators too. Yeah, because it was like after I mean Black Monday was Monday, and by Thursday mm-hmm. I saw ten. Okay, yeah. and then on Friday I saw thirteen. Right. I haven't done the math, but the point is between ten and thirteen. No, teams there's a have, lot. Yeah, and again, I I think Bill O'Brien's a good offensive coach. I actually, if I had a team and I had a good structure and a good defensive system and everything, I would love to have Bill O'Brien come in and coach my offense. So I'm not being disparaging in any way. <laughs> this is not an anti-Bill O'Brien podcast. No, never. I just find you've it never turned on an, on an offensive play caller for the Patriots before. It's 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 unarguable, inarguable. You can't argue against it. But my my question is, why have no other teams asked about Bill O'Brien, who is really the only qualified candidate that has interviewed for the Patriots job? So I had the same exact thought today while I was probably sitting up here in my office watching football, watching tweets hit my phone about like all these candidates who are interviewing for off- open offensive coordinator positions. And I was like, I haven't seen Bill O'Brien's name attached to anyone <laughs> else other than the Patriots. And I actually didn't – so that's where we had the same thought. I didn't really have the same thought if you was like, does Bill O'Brien need the Patriots just as much as the Patriots need Bill O'Brien? My mind went to NFL teams are incredibly safe a lot of the time, and it's something I mentioned on last week's show where you know a prospective offensive coordinator um, got back to me when I asked him if he was interviewing for the Patriots job. He said no, but he Charlie said Weiss. that – Incredible. <laughs> but he said Scooped. that the Patriots – would probably stick with like a familiar system. And he surmised that that meant either Bill O'Brien or, you know, getting Nick Cayley into the offensive coordinator role. So that's where my mind went first is that like, all right, no one really wants to completely overhaul their offense and bring in Bill O'Brien. Everyone knows how complex the Patriots offense was in the past. They might not know like what Bill O'Brien, whatever they like, I, that maybe he's not a system fit for what they want to run, or maybe it's too divergent from what they were running beforehand. But then my other thought as well was, what if teams just know that Bill O'Brien is going to the Patriots? Like, what if Bill O'Brien just wants to join the Patriots? Teams know that the Patriots are going to hire Bill O'Brien, and they're just like, why are we going to waste our time? Or, you know, the uh, a third possibility would be Bill O'Brien turning down opportunities until the Patriots make a decision one way or the other. And then a fourth possibility is there still could be an issue in the future for teams who hire a new head coach and then still need to hire an offensive coordinator because, like, the job searches aren't done until every single job in the NFL is filled from head coach on downward because what if Bill O'Brien is attached to a prospective head coach and he goes there instead? So, I don't know. I had, That's a lot. I had multi, multi-tiered thoughts on that this. That is a lot. Yeah, I had a thought on your second one, but your third yeah. and your fourth wiped it away. I forget what the second one was. <laughs> the, so the first, I have no idea what's in my head right now. I, um, it was a lot. First first one was the systems. Second one, I think, was that teams might not want teams oh, know oh, yeah, these yeah, going yeah. to Patriots. But, yeah. Like, yeah. but if you're a team and you want the guy, you're not going right. to let that stop you. There's right. no, the Patriots don't own Bill O'Brien. So I think if there was a yeah. demand... It would have come out, and there would be another interview. Like It just stands out to me. I don't know how many of the teams playing this weekend are going to be in the mix for offensive coordinators next year. I feel like a very low amount. So right. all the teams looking for offensive coordinators are looking for them. 
And we know Other Bill O'Brien. Other teams that are looking for head coaches, though. Because so that's Carolina, Arizona, Houston, Denver, Denver. Now Houston, we we can f- feel pretty comfortable in saying it's going to be Josh McCown, right? I mean, it's he's 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 had to sit it out for two cycles. Wait, he's there's, ready. There's five, right? It's uh, is Houston, there a fifth one? No, Denver, this is going to be embarrassing for us. Houston, Denver, Carolina, Arizona, and not Washington. Not Chicago. No. I'm looking at last place teams. Not Atlanta. <laughs> I'm just going to let uh, not let Cleveland. Not the Jets. I'm looking I, at. La- all right, I'll before. go to third place teams. I'll go not to third place before. teams. Not Pittsburgh. Not oh, Indy, Indy, Indy. There we go. I knew it was five. So, the, but yeah, I mean, Colts, Saturday yeah. has that thing in the bag, doesn't he? <laughs> he was well, awesome for a game. You know what? Can I rant for a second? Yeah. So, when they hired Jeff Saturday, literally everyone in the world was like, "Well, that's stupid." <laughs> and when they won their first game, every one of his colleagues at ESPN was like, oh, stupid now? And then they literally sucked horrifically for the rest of the year. So that that's yes. my rant. rant at, but yeah, Indy would be another. But man, Indy interviewed, like, they're going through it, but who trusts their process? So I, I almost forgive ourselves for ignoring right. that because it's yeah. sort of just like Indy's doing their thing. So we are not dumb. India's. <laughs> and I think that it would probably make the most sense for a team who wanted to bring, bring in Bill O'Brien for it to either be a defensive head coach who needs someone to just mm-hmm. run the offense or mm-hmm. someone who's just simply very inexperienced who would want like a, a veteran coach to, to be around who's been a head coach elsewhere. But I do think they would probably almost have to be a defensive coach, right? Because if someone's right. hiring an offensive coach, yeah. they're hiring him for for his mind, for what he's going to run on offense, for what he's going to do on offense, and it wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense for like Shane Steichen or Shane uh, Spikeman, Spikeman. Spikeman as uh, yeah. as as Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> really bad as an NFL analyst. Well, like, why are we making him a boring desk guy? I, I know, think you but still, it. You, you, your tweet, yes, like, there's a way yeah. to use them, and it's like, yeah, that is not the way to make him be like, well, I think that this is the case. Just <laughs> let him be Rob. He's right. people like him generally. Like he can be entertaining on his own. There doesn't need to be this professionalism about him. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't believe anybody is seeking professionalism from Rob Gronkowski no. in a in a television setting. So he's great on Nickelodeon. I would make yeah. him a key member of those uh, playoff. Wait. Wait, Doug, the divisional round is ending, and there was no Nickelodeon game. Oh, yeah, that's weird. My kids love that. The SpongeBob field goal and all that. Rob would have been great in that, but apparently yeah. that's over. They did that in the regular season. Anyways, uh, Spike Man, uh, Mr. Spike uh, Man. I, I think Gronk, like, I replied to, I think it was uh, someone on Twitter. Like, he could, like, interview players. I think that might be kind of entertaining. Like, yeah. just kind of, like, broing out with someone else. Like, those, like... Those interviews that he does with with Brady or that he used to when they were both oh, on the box, like they were like dumb, but I could see Fox being like that would be an entertaining thing to do for someone. But like Gronk on the desk on a pregame show is just so reminiscent of Gronk at a press conference in front of us. Yeah, and like don't just say like, anything wrong. Don't say right, anything wrong. Just, just like saying boring. things. This is gonna sound harsh, but like 
saying like useless things for the media because I think when when Gronk like does get nervous or doesn't know what to say, he just like states facts. And that was yeah. what he was trying to do with the Eagles being like, their head coach's name is Nick Sirianni. Their offensive <laughs> coordinator's name is Shane Spikeman. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I will say that was a pregame show with like 14 members on oh it. And one of them, I don't think Sean Payton's any good at it either. It's no, just he's not. Like, you should have people that talk about sports and people who do sports. I feel right. like when there's people in between, they don't know what to do. But yeah, anyways, well, uh, Spike Man was one of the candidates. I yeah. I, yeah I, really, so, I really derailed you. <laughs> it's okay. Um, I had more thoughts on the Fox pregame show, but I'll, I'll leave that for another time. <laughs> um, yeah, I... Yeah, I don't think it makes sense for an offensive coach like Shane Steichen to yeah. bring in a Bill O'Brien. So like a Jonathan Gannon or, a, you know, if like Wilkes got the job in Carolina. Like there, there's plenty of, I don't know, um, what's his name? The the Cowboys defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. I Quinn. think he'd probably bring in. That one would be a great match. That would be a great match. I think Dan Quinn yeah. and Bill O'Brien. It's like guys born in the 60s coaching football. Like perfect. <laughs> bald guys born in the 60s coaching football. Is, Bill, um, is O'Brien bald? Yeah. He wears a hat a lot. True. He might have hair. But under there, there's not a lot of hair. Some guys are hat guys. Maybe not as little hair as Dan Quinn, but I think... um, I was worried about my power alleys today, but every time I do, I look at a high school picture, they were the exact same. So, (laughs) so far, we're okay. It's it's jarring, though, sometimes. I'm I'm wearing a hat because I'm still sick. Yeah, yeah, no power alleys there. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. A lot of of hair Um, up there, buddy. Yeah, that's actually too much. You can't even control it. It's just overwhelming. Doug is drowning Um, in his hair right now. (laughs) Make sure to watch on YouTube so you can see me drowning in my hair. Uh, I shouldn't have taken off my hat, too, because now my hair underneath is messed up. I'm sorry. I was so focused on the podcast, I I missed it. (laughs) Brett Maher, they they had an extra point block. The Cowboys had an extra point block. That is as uh, good as a miss as I've ever seen. So I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt the podcast with live football that will be not live. But that is something. Did you see Jerry Jones was talking to him during warm-ups? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Jerry Jones is just very pleased right now with that, with that blocked a blocked extra point. It was an extra point, right? It's tough. Yeah, yeah, you just want to pop that That's one. rare. That's really yeah. rare. If you want to like. pop that one to the moon, yeah, it's going to get, get to, the, much, to the goalpost. You should be able to get as much fire. height on that as possible. As Not possible. an issue. Anyways, um, uh, I'm so, Mr. Derailment tonight. I'm sorry. Point is, right. Bill O'Brien is a very experienced offensive coordinator, head coach, play caller, yes. offensive mind. He's been doing it. He joined the Patriots in 08, I want to say, which was his yeah. entry, entry point to the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. from Duke. Is that right? I think so. Duke Sounds right. That? Yeah. Um, he was at multiple schools, but I feel like Duke was right before that. Maybe I'm wrong. So 08, uh, which was 15 years ago, tons of experience, uh, Led the Alabama offense, which was pretty high profile last year, and is widely known as available. And no one's gunning for him except for the Patriots. And again, I don't want to say Patriots dumb, but it's worth noting that all of this consternation that we've created locally about the the time crunch, it might not be there because it seems like nobody else wants him. Yeah, yeah, it's that is certainly one of the possibilities, and I found that interesting as well. I'm I'm about to derail right now. So derail. I've derailed way too much. I'm going through the Bill O'Brien resume uh, before he joined the Patriots, and he had been an OC slash quarterbacks coach at Georgia Tech, and then also OC slash quarterbacks coach at Duke, as you mentioned, before he uh, came on with the Patriots as an offensive assistant in actually 2007. Um, 
But just seeing his resume, going from Brown to Georgia Tech, Maryland, Duke, to the Patriots, that seems like a, a natural evolution. Maybe overqualified to come to the Patriots as an offensive assistant after being a two-time college offensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, let's cool it with Duke. But, but... Let's cool it with Duke. Like, you're 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 bringing someone from Duke, Maryland, Georgia Tech, Division One football schools. You're not bringing them from Snow College or from Minot State. Minot. <laughs> or from, what was the high school that Tyler Hughes coached at? Oh. I just, I'm, I'm just curious why there's, there hasn't been a similar pipeline for a Patriots offensive assistant since, like, I don't know, I don't know where Nick Cayley's. So you're saying, but like, I think that someone like Bill college coach to OA to running the offense two years later. Well, maybe not two years. I mean, yeah, I guess if, if like you've been an, if you've been a college offensive coordinator, I guess that's not completely out of their own possibility. I just think that well, I think Dayball is that guy because Dayball had been an OC, up NFL wise briefly a few times. We mentioned that. Well, yeah, but he also and came then he up came here and kind of like Patriots. Yeah, but then he came back and kind of like right. paid his dues. But that was and, even still like like Brian Dayball rejoined the Patriots in 2013. That was 10 years yeah. ago at this point. I don't know. Dis- I mean, I just dis- I f- I firmly disagree with that assessment. Twenty thirteen <laughs> was four years ago, max. But whatever, carry on. Um, I I just I don't know. I know that this is like pointless to go over at this point. But like, what I, what I, point I, are we trying to make? Because I'm not I'm not sure the, what oh, I'm trying to say. My point Maybe is that the Patriots should have been making similar hires through the okay. years. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Replenish their offensive staff. Yes. From so Bill O'Brien people, as. Offensive assistant, you know, right? Like, like the, the equivalent of Bill O'Brien in 2007, like should have been hired in 2017 and should have been hired in 2019 and should have been hired in 2021. Because like, if those hires have been made, we okay. might not even be talking about this right now. Or I guess the other option is to not let those guys leave for the Raiders. Um, well, so, well, yeah, but, that, yeah, I think that is it because your running backs coach had been here for 20 years. Your O-line coach had been here for 20 years. Right. You were maybe limited in some areas, but when Josh left to just let the guys go is probably right. what still stands out because I probably mentioned on the I talk a lot in my life, um, as you might imagine. <laughs> so I think I said it here, but the HBO documentary, Saban and Belichick, they both said in, in like Belichick said almost nothing in that entire hour, hour and a half long special, whatever it was. But the one thing he kind of got fired up about was like, if you leave my staff, I'm happy for you to go on and forge your own path. But it bothers me when you take members of my right. staff to join your staff, start your own staff. Yeah. And so for him to let three assistants go with McDaniels last year didn't jibe with that at all. Right. That's so weird. Again, you're not going to sit me see me sit here and be like, oh my god, they let Bo Hardigree go. This right. team is full of buffoons. But when you let a large chunk of your staff go and then your offense looks like it did, and when you have it run by who you had it run by, it's a curious decision at the least. But I think it speaks to your point in the replenishment point. Like, yeah, okay, Ivan Fears had the running back's job locked down, and Dante Skarnecki had the offensive line job locked down. But offensive assistants, there's there's always room to hire them. And, and maybe you're yeah. right. Maybe they overlooked it. Maybe there was a comfort level with Josh that Josh would always be here. I don't know. Right. But that, that might have factored in. But I think we saw in year one without that that there is a need for almost like a emergency replenishment. I I think like 
with Nick Lombardi, it made sense to let him leave because, like, he was going from being a wide receiver's coach to offensive coordinator. With Bo Hardigree, like, he easily could have just taken over as quarterback's coach. And with mm-hmm. Carmen Brasillo, he easily could have just kept his role as offensive line coach. Right. That looks a lot more to me as Bill Belichick just wanting to force Joe Judge into quarterback's coach. And yeah, none of those guys Patricia were replaced. No one was offensive replaced. Line coach. Right, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was basically just like, I want to give my guys those jobs, which, I don't know, everyone can gripe about forever, and I'll probably talk about forever because it's so strange. Uh, there was some news about, what was it, the Shrine Bowl. Troy Brown is going to be the head coach um, I don't on know. offense. Not to, listen, Doug, you and I love Zach Cox, like a brother. I saw him tweet, and it was a as a Nesson like one Patriots assistant, with, and I was like, nope, not even going to look into it out of principle. So, if it was him, if it was another Patriots offensive assistant, I don't know. Someone's going to be a head coach down at the track. So I think it's I think it's Trey Brown's going to be a head coach. Ross Douglas is going to be the offensive coordinator, and I don't know Demarcus. Don't Demarcus know. Covington. I, he's going to be something him. somewhere. He. I don't know. Yeah, it's not. Someone's going worth... to the Senior Bowl too. I don't know. They got a, they got a lot of studying. Yeah, I think Covington's going to the Senior Bowl. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of interesting that Troy Brown was being handed. But like, I think that's more just the Patriots don't have an offensive coordinator yet, so they have to like have someone be the head coach down there. Um, but I did have another thought. I clicked it, Doug. I friggin' clicked it. You did Damn it, you, Zach. You got my click. It's um, Troy Brown, isn't it? Troy Brown will serve as head coach for the West team. Um, Gerard Mayo, Albert Breer reported that Gerard Mayo was sitting in next to Bill Belichick for the offensive coordinator interviews. So that mm. feels like whatever promotion for Gerard Mayo is pretty much set in stone <laughs> at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, we said that the other day when he yeah. started turning down the Carol, when he turned down the Carolina head coach interview, he's here and he's part of the future and fill in the, fill in the dots. Maybe there's some short term awkwardness or, uh, lack of clarity with the defensive coaching hierarchy. Like if mm-hmm. Steve is the play caller and Gerard isn't, I don't know. Right. But maybe Steve isn't the head coach. You know, maybe maybe there is. Right. Gerard is clearly as a former linebacker in the NFF freaking L is more. You know, gets 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 the players better and is a better right. leader. So maybe the Patriots, you know, laid a thing, and it's not a disrespect to Steve, but. Maybe he is given the sort of assurances that McDaniels was five years ago. What it would be interesting, and I don't know if I expect this to happen or not, but it would actually be interesting if they named Gerard Mayo linebackers coach slash assistant head coach or associate head coach, whatever you want to put that title as, and then also then gave Steve Belichick the defensive coordinator role. I wonder if that would be something that they would consider doing because, like, if Steve Belichick is still going to be calling plays, which, based on the success of the Patriots' defense last year, I don't think is the worst idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, would that be a slap in the face to Gerard Mayo to not make him DC slash assistant head coach? Is just assistant head coach enough to I don't know to keep him around? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I, I whatever it was was enough to keep him around. And now we're just right. guessing at what it is. I still think yeah. I'm very high in the Patriots' defense. I think the Patriots' defense is as good as. I mean, we watched the Chiefs this weekend. We watched the Bills. We watched, I mean, the Bengals shut down the Bills, but there is that factor. But the the fact of the matter is we know that the Patriots 
only beat Jared Goff in terms of real starting quarterbacks in right. the NFL, right? So yeah. for as good as the numbers are, and as impressive, I think they were good. Yeah. Um, they still got blown out by Lamar, I think. They still didn't do enough to stop Aaron Rodgers. So they're still not great. So I think whatever it is, right. it's not as if – I want to be careful. I don't want to be obnoxious. And I don't, but we think about last year, uh, last year being 2022. Uh, excuse me, last year being 2021. The defense had big, big problems at the beginning yeah. and the end of the year. This year, they never had the big, big problems, but they still never elevated to the point that I think you want them to be at. I think there was a talent um, deficiency on off, on defense, though. Like they had, the linebacker spot, the cornerback, the cornerback spot was didn't have a number one. Obviously, guys played better than you might have expected there, but like Jalen Mills was out for most. When of the you faced Stephon Diggs and right. uh, Justin Jefferson, you had issues. Right, a linebacker. I, they could certainly afford to add more talent. Um, and safety, like Devin McCourty, was still good last season, but wasn't maybe at the top of his game. Like I don't know how much they could improve the safety position, but I do think that there could be upgrades made at cornerback and at linebacker next year. Yeah, no, that's fair, and we'll probably look at that more closely. I did notice. Devin Lloyd. I feel like we spent a lot of time last spring being like Patriots, Devin Lloyd, Patriots, Devin Lloyd. What was he doing on, on Travis Kelsey's touchdown yesterday? I'm still a little bit perplexed by that one. So I don't know. Maybe the Utah to NFL jump is a bit bigger than we anticipated. But I think I, yeah. largely – oh, go ahead. I, I mean, I also think that, like, drafting linebackers in the first round is yeah. one of the bigger crapshoots. Like, up there with any other position where, like – you have no idea what you're getting at that at that position uh, in the first round. I feel like there's as many misses as there are hits. So I never have a lot of confidence with the like the Jamin Davises or the Devin Lloyds or the Devin Bushes. It's like I don't know. They might be good, but it's just a hard position to evaluate. That's fair. I still, <laughs> I was like, you know, we had to make our guesses last year. Who the I was like, I think it's going to be Nicobe Dean. I think Nicobe Dean is the guy they're going to go for, and he went like 85th third round it was, yeah yeah um but yeah you're, i think that speaks to the crap shoot because i think a lot of people on the outside thought that there was what quay walker um yeah. was he the trainer pusher guy is he yeah. he pushed the trainer i think so yeah. twice oh. twice yeah. yeah yeah no respect for the training staff but no. yeah no i think there's a lot of um just like any position i think that's that speaks to it so um it's just funny because last year we, what you're saying now about the need to upgrade talent and linebacker, I think we all felt last year, and they they took a guard out of Chattanooga, as we know. <laughs> um, so uh, you and I both agreed the other day that they need to go tackle uh, in this draft. So they'll probably go tackle out of, I don't know, name a random random town in in America. Maybe there'll be a, a tackle maybe, there. Maybe but it's Minot State. It could be Minot. You know, they have a decent program there, as we know. Yeah. But um, well, yeah, no, strange. I think you're right. I think you're right. But, but but just to, to, to centralize it to the Steve Belichick, the defensive coordinator, whether it's Mayo or him, it's it's obviously tricky. And it's right. not even in that sort of wise-ass son-of-the-coach sense. We just right. don't know how it works in those meeting rooms. We don't know how yeah. it works in the game plan. We don't know how it works in the full team meetings. It's a bit tricky. And yeah. I think ultimately the Patriots realized they had a, a very – Smart, talented, relatable, young head head coach potential in Gerard yeah. Mayo and didn't want to lose him. So I think whatever it is, they'll be able to figure it out. I think that's the bottom line. Yeah, no, it seems like they have figured that out at this point. Um, 
And yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-oh. I can usually tell when a cough is coming. It's a throwback um, to like week one of the podcast. I know. I, I listened back to one of those and my voice was so brutal to get through. Like I credit anyone for continuing to listen to this podcast uh, through some of those early episodes. I I told Mike this off the top. Uh, I didn't mention this really on air yet, but I've got an ear infection right now. Um, I might have conjunctivitis, but my eyes are looking pretty good, as you can see. But uh, the doctor that I went to like kind of roasted me about having an ear infection. Because I, I was like, yeah. I think I have an ear infection because I woke up last night and my ear really hurt and it's still clogged right now. And he was like, oh, well, you haven't seen a lot of ear infections. And then he like, he looked at my ear. He was like, oh, that looks painful. He was like, yep, that's that's a classic kid's ear infection. I was like, I'm a grown man, sir. I'm <laughs> not a child. He's like, have you been eating your vegetables, Doug? Um, I, was, I was like, I'll... what is it? I didn't I didn't question it because I was like, and but then he was like, yeah, we we like never got ear infections. And now this year we've seen a ton of ear infections. So I don't know how the hell I got an ear infection. I promise you I I'm do. not a child. I should say, as a warning, I downloaded, there's an Apple um, game, the Oregon Trail, on Apple Arcade. I downloaded it today, and cholera, still a big deal back in the 1860, late 1860s, early 1870s. So just be on the lookout. Just, you know, make sure you, you take your medicines, because we don't, we don't need, uh, Doug has died of cholera in the middle of a podcast. It would really, <laughs> I could carry it for a few minutes, but then we just yeah. have to go black, so cholera would be a little less embarrassing than dysentery i think um that might be the the worst one i don't but i also don't specifically know what cholera is i'm not i'm not no it seems really bad though in the uh 1880s i um but yeah i saw you post that. oh it's a bacterial infection of the small intestine you do not want anything in no i don't want cholera uh, I saw you post that. I was like, ah, I don't have Apple Arcade. I'm not going to go through this process of like I got a new phone, doing a free so trial free. and all that stuff. Okay. But... Um, now, now dysentery, historically known as the bloody flux, is a type of gastroenteritis that results in bloody diarrhea. Well, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, uh, diarrhea. dysentery out as well. Yeah. So just yeah. take care of yourself. And that's to you and that's to everyone listening. Don't get dysentery. <laughs> don't get cholera. See the doctor. I will try to avoid all future ear infections. Um and hopefully I stay clear of dysentery as well. You, yes. You'd hate to see uh, I mean, bloody, bloody you would. Diarrhea. You would genuinely hate to see that, like, thoroughly. <laughs> Without um, a doubt. So Anyways. I want to talk about, uh, and I think you want to talk about this too, the uh, the catch from today, Jamar Chase. This mm-hmm, doesn't mm-hmm. really super well to the Patriots, but it happened in today's playoff games. Well, and... it does because the Hunter Henry no, uh, Thanksgiving right. catch was like the ultimate yeah, I don't want to say like flex point or whatever. It was a flashpoint in the what is a catch debate because it reopened a lot of avenues that I thought had been closed. With the Jamar Chase play today, like this is, I say this a lot, this might be Doug having a dumb thought. Like you might be listening to this and be like, how the hell does this person function on a day-to-day basis? This is the stupidest mm-hmm. thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, he never really lost possession of the ball. Like, I I understand, I understand that he let go of the ball. It remained on his person the entire time. It never hit the ground. And like, I guess, like, and then he had to retain possession, meaning he had to hold the ball or whatever it is. But like, if he was on a field of play and he caught the ball and then he fell to the ground and the ball hit his chest. Uh And then he, if he just laid there with the ball on his chest, 
that would be a catch because he right. never lost possession of the ball. Well, I'll I'll in, interrupt the the dumb Doug thought because I know you're not dumb, but this is this is what is at play is you don't have the freedom to do that out of bounds, which you know. I know, but like but he never actually this lost case, possession. It didn't hit the ground. Case, like, no one took it from him. He had three steps. With right, the ball. that too. Yeah. Then he was going out. Then it was whacked. But again, to your point, it's not like he dropped it. It's not like it hit the no. ground and he carries on with his life. It stayed on his person. Yeah. There was still, not in the football sense, there was still in the general sense, possession. So if he satisfied the requirements inbounds. And, then, right. and my, my thought was, remember the Patriots-Giants game at the end of 2016, 15? No. No, um, sure it was a regular did. season game at the Meadowlands. It was 2015, I think, because Malcolm Butler was on OBJ was all game. Yeah, and th- Eli threw a touchdown to Odell Beckham. By all thoughts and awareness, Odell Beckham caught the ball. Both feet were down, and he had possession of the ball. And at that point, Malcolm Butler right. came and swatted it away. Yes, yes and yes, they yes. said he didn't satisfy the requirements. Right. And at that point, when that play happened, I said that is an incompletion. I know the rules. Right. When the Jesse James play happened, I knew that that was an incompletion. I knew the rules. Right. Starting on Thanksgiving night, when Hunter Henry had a hand under the ball and then bobbled it but still caught it, I have not known what is a catch is. And it's like cliche right. to be what is a catch? What is a catch? I have lost. I have taken on a sort of NBA approach, which is I have seen it. I have formulated my thoughts, but I will just sit back and see what they say. Because I have been excluded from the process of knowing what can be a catch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I was flabbergasted that they called that back. Because it was just like, he got three feet down. Three feet. He's like, he scored the touchdown. And then on his way out of bounds, the ball got jarred loose. He never lost possession. It never hit the ground. No one stole it from him. Whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Because if he catches it and gets three feet down, three feet down, and then spikes it immediately, I think that's a touchdown. Right. So it could touch yeah. the ground. Like it doesn't even it doesn't even yeah. matter. It well yeah. I I what, what I had one other thought on this and I forgot what it was already. Well, there's the long. issue of if you have possession in the field of play and then cross the plane and it's a touchdown. Instantly, right. no matter what happens. Yeah. And people still confuse that a little bit, I think. But in this case, it wasn't oh, I, as if he was in the process of completing the catch. Right. He had completed the process yes. of the catch and then fell out of bounds, at which point he's not on the field anymore. <laughs> and and if, they said yeah. three years ago, surviving the ground was gone. Surviving right. the ground is no longer a part of the thing. And yet starting Thanksgiving, Terry McCauley said it, uh, what's his name? Walt Anderson said it, and we've seen it. This was a surviving the ground situation, right? It seems like they removed that language but kept the idea in play. Yes, but that's exactly right. If you can catch a ball with your legs, I think it was Amon Ross St. Brown who did that this mm-hmm. season, right? Yes. He caught a ball with his legs. Yeah. Like, why are you allowed to catch a ball with your legs but not catch a ball with your chest? Well, he's like, in he's inbounds, I guess, is the difference. St. Brown, I guess. So, like. Field. I'm not, but like, <laughs> if 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 Jamar Chase had transferred the ball from his from his hands to his legs, and then yeah. landed out of bounds, I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the comparison here. I'm with be, you. But like, I'm with you. I just I I don't think he lost possession. It was on his person the entire time. Yeah. It never hit yeah. the ground. 
Like, yeah. I, I don't know. that If if it would be a catch if he was inbounds, then I don't understand why it can't be a catch if he's out of bounds. And I want to be clear because I people don't know. might be like, what the F are you guys talking about? It's really just knowing the rules of the NFL because it's it's critical, I think, that we understand them right. and can see them applied as uniformly as possible. It's a tricky concept. It's a tricky game. I understand that. But like I said, even uh, the the Austin Safarian Jenkins play, as soon as that happened, I said, that's a safety. And I know it was like controversial, but like when you understand the rules and you know right. how they are applied, you yeah. know what's going on. I have, as someone that I think not to be, I don't know, not to toot my own horn, I think I had a pretty good understanding of the NFL rules and what's going on. And now I feel like it's this sort of ruleless, lawless, choose-your-own-adventure society that I am not invited to. And I don't know. It, it opens itself to questions. Like today, I think there's reason to believe the NFL wanted this neutral site game to happen because right. of that press release on Friday about ticket sales and yay. Um, but when these things happen and rules go that way, and including the Josh Allen fumble that was turned into yeah. completion, you open yourself to the the speculation. And I can't sit here and say people are stupid for thinking that or speculating that because I don't know what the hell else is going on. Right. And with the Jamar Chase catch, I yeah, if they wanted to reverse that call, then that would be to benefit the Bills and to make that neutral site game an option. With the Josh Allen fumble, it almost felt at that point like they were just like, we want to keep this game interesting. We don't right. want the Bengals to was, suddenly be up by 24 points or whatever it would have been at that point. It was 17 point. points like, at that point, It was point, 17 right? points, and then like yeah, if yeah. they had scored a touch, then it would have been completely out of hand. But like that was about as close as like the tie goes to the quarterback as possible. Oh, yeah. I have fumble. no issue with that one, to be honest with you. I don't – The ball I, went forward. I did initially – like Me too. Like the, the arm was like – basically as far back as it could have been when yeah. it got hit. And I, I almost feel like the – I don't know. I, it's it's not really worth, like, reassessing that one to the yeah. same degree as the Jamar Chase play. But I do think that in that moment they're like, you know what, we'd rather this game be interesting. Let's sure. call it an incomplete pass. Yeah. Um, but like, I would say the the catch is more interesting because what if that was Stephon Diggs and the score was 14-7 to and right. that was the game-tying touchdown? Does the same call get made? I honestly – I'm not going to say I'm not a conspiracy guy because I love me a good conspiracy. In this situation, do I think they would have called it the same? I honestly don't. I, I just I don't honestly believe that. And that, I think, is a problem because the rules are applied to whatever fits. And we said on this podcast, when Kendrick Bourne got a catch out of bounds, in the situation you were describing, when a team is down and you want to keep things interesting, the NFL tends to lean that way no matter what the case. And I think today's both of those calls – Lean into that. Um, I know that you wanted to talk about uh, a certain announcer uh, and his, his calls oh. on on Patrick Mahomes and Trevor Lawrence. You can abstain. You can abstain. <laughs> I'm not Doug. sure. I'm not so, sure how Doug, much I'm allowed to say about this. But I, I will say. Sit out. I, no, I'll, I'll say that I thought it was funny. Okay. Uh, that that <laughs> Chris Collinsworth called Trevor Lawrence's incompletion to Christian Kirk that was dropped and overthrow. And like, I I just I I I was like, wow, that's an interesting thing to say. Um, and then I went to Twitter. It was on the same like, night, Doug. I'll it seemed it. like it a lot of other people thought it was an interesting thing to say too. It was the know. same night that Patrick Mahomes. And listen, 
and this is the thing that Twitter and Nuance can, and like every like I couldn't I had to mute things on Twitter because every time I opened Twitter, it was 20 plus notifications of Chiefs fans being like you are a P word and whatnot. Um, so I had to mute something. It's not like Patrick Mahomes's day was unreal. Patrick yeah. Mahomes's guts, performance, right. leadership, everything about Pat Mahomes was outstanding. We don't need to praise his drop of the football, which is what Chris Collinsworth did. There was the play, uh, Mahomes rolling around, trying to make something happen, goes to throw, decides to pocket the pass, and just the ball falls out of his head. He dropped it. Now, luckily for him, his arm was moving forward. It wasn't a tuck because he lost on the way moving forward. It was an incomplete pass. Really like an accident that worked out well. And they show the replay, and Chris Collinsworth just goes, Really just an unbelievable play by Mahomes right there. If he lets that go, it's an interception. And I was just like, this is what pisses people off. And it, what, it's what <laughs> pissed people off when Brady did something like that and got praised for it. You can't praise people for making mistakes. And then an hour later, or like a half hour later, when a quarterback makes one of the best throws imaginable, say it was overthrown, a ball, maybe your point, it hit, Christian Kirk in the elbows, maybe as a receiver, Chris Chris Collinsworth, no, maybe he wanted more in the biceps, tougher to tougher to lose. But we're talking about maybe an inch there. Um, yeah, just like Very catchable football, very catchable football. <laughs> hit him between the arms. I just think that's the stuff that just pisses the average fan off. And I don't know any fan that wants to hate Mahomes, but when stuff right. like that happens, it leads to people being like, "Screw Mahomes," because it's not his fault. To me, it's not his fault. That this guy is praising him for dropping a football in the middle of a football game, but that, that I just I felt like that was worth talking about. I uh, I tweeted something about Patrick Mahomes yesterday, and that's that we haven't heard diddly squat about Jackson Mahomes or Brittany Mahomes all season. Yeah, they mentioned I just her find during that the broadcast. Very interesting. That yeah, they finally mentioned her during the broadcast. But like, I feel like last year there was a Brittany Mahomes or Jackson Mahomes story mm-hmm. every single week. And I'll also say, Patrick Mahomes didn't play that well while a lot of those stories were going on. Now those stories went away, huh. and Patrick Mahomes is probably he was quietly win MVP unreal. This year, right? Just he unreal. was unbelievable all season. I don't know if those two things are related. I don't know if those things aren't related. But I do think it's an interesting observation that there was less distractions, maybe less stress going on in, in Patrick mm. Mahomes' life this season. And he played a lot better than he did in 2021. Yeah. Just like the quietest 41 touchdown season I've ever seen. Because there was right. a point, maybe in week 12, 13-ish, where I was like, man, it feels like for all the offensive numbers that have been jumping lately, this year is not the same. And then I look, it's like Mahomes was there. I was like, all right, never mind. I, I, I messed up. Someone's going to throw 41 touchdowns. But um, what do you think AFC-wise? Because I think this does relate to the Patriots, and this is past yeah. chat. I have some worry about Pat Mahomes next week. I think there won't be the yeah. pain medication and the adrenaline that will help him through. That's going to be a tough one. It's a high ankle sprain, according to Rappaport, which certainly looked we, like one. Yeah. I mean, it looked like he tore his knee, to be honest with you, in the moment. Like, that was scary. Was um, but if it's a high if it's a high ankle sprain, <clears throat> we saw here in New England, Mac Jones was out for three weeks, really three and a half, if we count the Bears game. Um, that could be a... Super Bowl deciding injury, really. If yeah. if the Bengals play as pissed off next week as they did this week, that could alter the Chiefs and all their Super Bowls. I mean, people had them slated for multiple Super Bowls. This could be that could be significant. So I, I think that's a big one. 
I agree with you. Um, Thank you. I will say, though, that – and obviously they're different quarterbacks, so it's not a perfect comparison. But Tom Brady did play through multiple high ankle sprains during his Patriots career. One was Super Bowl um, forty two. That didn't work out too well. Right. One, uh, he tore his or he had a high ankle sprain right before Super Bowl forty two. And then mm. he had a high ankle sprain in week seventeen of the twenty fifteen season. So okay, so then they lost in Denver. Yeah. In the I, I think the difference is and it's not like Mahomes is a like quote unquote. No, it's one hundred percent. He loves moving. Yes. And and he needs to move to make yeah. all of his crazy throws and everything like that. So uh, I do think unless, it's a big deal. He needs to move unless the opponent says, Travis Kelsey, who's that guy? 87, yellow glove. <laughs> He's good. Whoa. He's Whoa. got like six catches already. This now, guy's awesome. What number is Travis Kelsey and what number is Blake Bell? I can't remember. I think Kelsey's 78. <laughs> Which oh, one's Noah Gray? Oh. Which one's Travis Kelsey? That was some, I, that, that was like that was unfathomable. It's it's similar to Pittsburgh not covering Gronkowski, but at least they figured it out eventually. That was that was really bad. I, I know that sometimes you get sick of players on other teams um, who receive a lot of publicity. But I'm curious, what do you think of Travis um, and Jason Kelsey? Because I find them to be like two pleasant human beings who have mm-hmm. a funny podcast together. And uh, like I, I don't listen to the podcast, but I see the clips on TikTok and stuff. I'm like, oh, that was a funny thing that they said. I just think it's yeah. cool that both those guys are like really effing good at football and on two teams that are like uh, unbelievable. It's just like a cool story yeah. that they that they exist. I think I don't know. Did you see Jason Kelsey one hand the guy to the ground? That was the highlight of the <laughs> yeah. weekend. I think. I mean, I think Jason Kelsey is cooler. Um, and he explained it well. I don't know when. It was like five years ago. He explained. Oh yeah. Someone asked him, and it was because he played hockey. Yes. And Travis didn't. And that is, that that is all I needed to understand. But I think uh, Travis Kelsey has has toned it down a little. I think he was a little he bit. Is. And I think it's similar. Like Gronkowski did that as well. Like there was a there was a over the top characterization of the player. Yeah. And I think Travis Kelsey as a person figure that out as he enters i always think about that like imagine if you're 25 and you're like extremely oh, rich yeah. and very famous you'd right. screw up so badly yeah, and definitely. just make an ass of yourself so anyone yeah. that makes it through god bless him but as a player it's undeniable how impactful he is and there's there's games like that where you're like how does that happen and it's not coincidental it, it's no. not an accident it, you don't luck right. into that um i mean you look into some of it when the other team is that idiotic right. about it but you get the point that uh, as he continues to produce, but I think ultimately it's going to come down to to Super Bowls. That that legacy of Mahomes and Kelsey because Hill's gone. Oh yeah, and like those are the two guys on offense. And next week's a big one for them in terms of legacy, yeah. in terms of AFC, and and I don't know Patriots fans. I saw some people getting a little sore. Someone called it like the Kansas City Invitational because it's the fifth straight AFC Championship game. People here got a little testy about it. I get it. You, yeah. you protect what you are, right. and people get caught up in the moment. But uh, what they're doing is undeniable. It's just a matter of finishing it. And I think next week right. is really interesting in that. And legacy-wise with the Patriots, I feel like you have to root against the Chiefs right? because they're the biggest threat um, to the Patriots and all that they accomplished in the AFC. I don't know. Maybe the Bengals are, and I'm being stupid, but that's what I think. I mean, the Bengals could eventually. I feel like all the, the Twitter NFL nerds, like, 
are like constantly dying to write off the Bengals because they don't like Zach Taylor and they don't Ooh. like Joe Burrow. As I'm much find as, my story while you say that, you keep going. <laughs> as much as like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence and all these other quarterbacks who might be like more physically gifted, but like, so I always kind of like seeing the Bengals emerge because it's like, haha, those like the the NFL Twitter bullies are wrong. I don't know. It's just fine. Uh, week nine, November third, Michael Hurley, Hurley's picks. Bengals reminding us that sometimes Super Bowl losers are losers. Uh, and then we go to just to the gist of it. From here on out, we can no longer refer to the 22 Bengals as the reigning AFC champions. That's the title they gave away several weeks ago, arguably in week one. Great point, Mike. And it's Great one they're point. no longer worthy of carrying. For now, they're just the Bengals. I will say oh, no. I was obviously, you know, playing it up a little bit, but they didn't mm. they didn't start the season very well. They No, and now they've won nine. They were four Street, and four. Yeah. Four and four, and now they're four. 14 and 4. So that sounds so like around. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, reasonable minds disagree on the number, but <laughs> the point is uh, they they had that snarl and that nastiness today that yeah. I think anyone in New England can appreciate because there was the nobody believes in us. There right. was the I mean, you saw Joe Burrow's post-game interview, like better off of those refunds. Even <sighs> Am I a Zach Taylor fan now because of his little like like snarky what response in the he did this whole thing about oh we kept messing their pl- we keep messing their plans up now they can't have their neutral site game I almost feel like all right Zach like hats off and whatever but they definitely played into it this week I don't know what they conjure up next week for Kansas right. City um, it'll be harder <laughs> because and, they've won their last three games against Kansas City too that's like, true I, and I'm they sure might just need to go into five. this one like full swagger you know I don't know yeah yeah no I think it'll be but I, I think AFC wise. And it does affect the Patriots because the Patriots did what they did. And I think the Patriots are safe. No one's going to win six Super Bowls in a 17-year stretch. No. But you want to mitigate it. And I think if, if that's part of your concern, you'd be a Bengals fan. Because the Bengals don't have a Super Bowl win yet, and the, and the Chiefs do. I'm just doing right. some math. I don't know. I'm doing my best. <laughs> I, uh, I, this is post this game, so I guess I could finally say this or admit this. I think that the Bengals had a gripe about like, oh, yeah. today's game yes. not being at a neutral site against yep. the Bills because the NFL had like just decided on its own, like, all right, and the AFC Championship game, we're going to imagine this as if the Bills had won. And yes. in the yes. divisional round and in, in the wild card round as well, they were like, you know what? We're going to imagine this as if the Bengals lost. <laughs> it's just like, what? Like, yes. how, how is that fair? To, and like, I, I feel like they couldn't complain to the same degree that they should have because of the circumstances around it. But like, at a like, certain point, they could have. Right. Yeah. And I get, yeah, it was wild that the NFL was like, you know what? We're going to handle this as if the Bills won. As if the Bengals lost, even though the Bengals were winning the game seven three. When the game was I mean, suspended. like, like who knows? But right. the Bills were thirteen three. The Bengals were twelve and four. Right. If they win that game, this game is in Cincinnati. But I think ultimately, like big picture, and this doesn't count, but it, it helped the Bengals more that they had to go to Buffalo. I honestly yeah. think that. No, definitely. Um, How about you the snow? Note. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, 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 no. just one, one last thing on the game yeah. being in Buffalo. Yeah. It was like a snow globe. It was idyllic. It was beautiful as a football fan. It just kills me that the NFL had Green Bay, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Chicago, New England, and New Jersey all available for this <laughs> this neutral site game, neutral and they site. chose Atlanta indoors. Right. That's just 
that's why I think they were building the Final Four weekend yeah. concept to see will fans travel, will fans buy tickets? And they got their answer was yes. And I think that's unfortunate because the game today was beautiful. And next week in Kansas City, it's going to be beautiful. And yeah. the fact that they chose Atlanta. Really weird, too, because like I understand for Super Bowl week, like there's going to be, there's like a million people there all week. It's a whole but week. like, it's it's not an all week event if it's a neutral site game for an AFC Championship game. Like, yeah, the but teams you are going to fly in a day before. There's no you fan, could convince like, the fans yeah. to show up on Thursday. Then there's stuff on Friday and Saturday. But Maybe one game's on Saturday, one's on Sunday. Know. Right. It's not this year, but I, I think they were yeah. building toward that concept right. because the league could make a hundred billion dollars, and they'd be like, "What if we made a hundred point one billion dollars next year? <laughs> it's worth it, guys!" And they would do it. So I think that's what they were going for. Um, you had, you had one note on the Jaguars just before we move on a little bit here. Um, your question was, will the Jags be around for a while? And my answer to that would be possibly, but they also need to draft better than they have in recent years. Um, and I'm not fully convinced that that's going to happen with Trent Baalke as their GM. And mm-hmm. even looking at this year, like Trayvon Walker is the number one overall pick. Like there's like a strong case to be made that Aiden Hutchinson or Sauce Gardner or someone else would have been a better pick. Mm. Devin Lloyd, the aforementioned linebacker that they also took in the first round, like wasn't that great this season. Obviously, they drafted well last year with Trevor Lawrence, Tyson Campbell, um, maybe one or two other picks in there, but uh, Travis Etienne. But, yeah, I mean, they basically just have to draft better, and I don't know. Uh, Jaguars fans love them. Some Trayvon Walker, I think, some of the aforementioned NFL Twitter. Um wants to like Trayvon Walker maybe even more than they should because they didn't like as much hype as Aiden Hutchinson got, uh, quite frankly, from PFF last year. Uh, but I also think that after this season, like like Aiden Hutchinson was the better player, at least as a rookie this year. So I don't know. Large, larger point here is just that the Jaguars have to draft better. And we saw that this weekend because teams that draft well make it pretty far in the playoffs. Yeah, I have a bias. Trent Baalke elevated or made Jim Tom Sula the head coach of the 49ers. (laughs) But then he also made him not the head coach of the 49ers anymore, which I think was dumb. I think the world could have benefited from more Jim Tom Sula. So I'm with you. There there are some questions there, but I just think... Did he hire Mike Singletary as well? Ooh. um, That might have been before him, but... Because if he's got got Tom Sula, Urban Meyer... And Singletary on his resume, that's impressive. Singletary took his pants off. People do forget that. <laughs> um, okay, he was promoted to GM after the firing of Mike Singletary. So oh, whoever had Mike Singletary lost his job, unfortunately. I-, I think you're right. I just think Trevor Lawrence's jump from year one to year two was so significant oh, that definitely. it's impossible to ignore. He had the big playoff comeback. I think, unfortunately, my, my biggest issue with the Jaguars is defensively yesterday. Um, they they need some help. They need yeah. better a better plan. They need to know that Travis Kelsey is on the other team, generally speaking. But, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was I was impressed with, with Lawrence. And the throw we joked about being Lawrence overthrown. Yeah. If, if, if Christian Kirk brings that in, that's another thing, I guess. There was, like, this, like, strut from people being like oh some people said the christian kirk contract was bad it's like well it still might be bad he's their best receiver but it still might be an overpay but i think um that whole game might be different if kirk catches that ball so that's true i don't know 
Um, I, I do think the Jaguars are at least viable in a division that should keep them viable. And there's something like eh, just year to year because the Patriots beat the crap out of them at the end of last year. What they win? 54 13 or something. Right. Um, I think there's, they're, they're, they've come a long way in a short time. I think that Trevor Lawrence has the potential to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL from midseason on this year. It just, I mean, like, a great quarterback can only get you so far, and I think mm-hmm. that the way that the team is constructed will like depend largely on whether or not Trevor Lawrence becomes Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs, or whether you know three years from now he's Justin Herbert in the Chargers, and you're still waiting for him to like take his team on the ascent that he potentially deserves. Uh, you had t- two other notes in here. Uh, you want to talk about chips and balls and chains, um, yep. and you also want to talk about how the NFL changed the overtime rule because the Bills. I want your rapid-fire thoughts on these. Okay, so the chains, obviously the Eagles-Giants got delayed for, how long was that? Seven minutes? Eight minutes? Nine minutes? Yeah. It felt like 25 minutes. Yeah. What are we doing with the chains? (laughs) It's so funny. The actual chains, because they never come out anymore. They never come out of the field, but they also aren't necessary in a world where computers exist. Chains (laughs) don't matter. Like, you can have a minute. Like, people might not know this that don't go to a lot of games. On one sideline, there are the official change chains, and there is a stick, and there is a stick, and there's a chain connected to them. On the other side, there's just two people with sticks. They're not connected, and they are symbolically representing the first down marker because the other one is the official. You actually, everyone could be symbolic. We have the yeah. technology. We understand you could measure to certain points. And even when there are close measurements, Doug Kide, they don't know what they're doing. If the no. ball's here and the stick's here, sometimes they just guess, sometimes they get an index card out. It's all BS. I just felt like that was the, the moment where we should have all moved on from from chains. Yes. When, yeah. when a game was delayed to bring the backup chains out and they're all tangled like your Christmas lights. Right. Enough. Enough. Like, That's the, like, I don't have a greater point. Like lasers on a computer screen could just like fly down the field and you'd know immediately whether the ball was across the first down marker or not. Like, I will if, say this. If you were a linesman, how much confidence would you even have that you could run Possible. in a perfectly straight line down the field? For me, zero. Zero yeah. confidence I could run in a perfectly straight line down the field. Now imagine if you were 28 years older than you are right now and 100 pounds heavier. It's it's that challenging. <laughs> but I will say, for, as someone who's like always being a dink and like, filming the tv and tweeting like oh nice call idiot (laughs) that job is impossible when they spot the ball they're doing the best they can i just think people do overstate the simplicity of the chips and that's what i wanted to get to because there's a knee element but if there's a way to sync camera shots and, and we saw this recently it was either last week or week 18 there was a big game a nationally televised game and they combined two shots. There was one where you couldn't really see. Right. But they, they spliced it so they knew when that shot was happening. The other one was synchronized with it. There's more you can do. And I, I just think the fact that we're using chains, like I think about when I played high school football and there was just volunteers out there <laughs> with just a metal stick in the chains. It's the same thing in this nine bazillion dollar league. It's almost unfathomable. And, and I don't I don't yeah. have a good point. It's just ridiculous. No, the chains are wild. Uh, thoughts on overtime? Yeah, I just think that for as much as, especially maybe I'm in New England, I see a lot of the tweets a certain way that the NFL wanted the Bills in the Super Bowl this year. I do, I do think the NFL would have liked that. They like some, some, 
they would have liked the Buffalo market in there. They would have liked Josh Allen in there. It would have done a lot of good. It's just the NFL changed the overtime rules for them yeah. because they gave up a lead with, was it 13 seconds or 17 seconds last year in Kansas City right. uh, when they allowed a field goal drive? And then they lost in overtime when they didn't cover Travis Kelsey. Uh, they left Matt Milano and Travis Kelsey. Bad matchup in overtime. And they changed the rule. And that rule had gotten people before. That rule got the Falcons in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. It got the Chiefs uh, in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots. It got teams that lost in the playoffs. It did not get the Seahawks and Matt Hasselbeck. That was a turnover. Different. But the fact is they changed that rule. So everyone was going to get their possession. And it was kumbaya, happy-go-lucky. And the Bills really didn't fulfill that. So I think... It was always a little bit nuts to me that the Bills were considered Super Bowl favorites going into the year because of the Buffalo factor. Right. It's expecting a lot, and it was a, it was a yeah. heavy weight. And and I think they had a hell of a couple months. And we, we talked about this oh, the other day. God. Between the snow, between the, the neutral site game, between the Thanksgiving game, between the national televised games, and then DeMar Hamlin – Going through the emotions of that, well, it Dawson had to Knox's crash. brother died right before the season too, which was I like forgot that another crazy thing that happened. Yes. Obviously, super tragic. Yes, so that's a lot. Um, but just even in like the the tight window of the yeah. past six right. weeks, I'm not surprised to see them run out of gas here. But we take it for granted having been in New England and seeing the team, seeing the team in it every year. But just as way more often than that, teams have these high highs followed by low lows. So I don't know. I'm just thinking from the AFC East perspective. Yeah. It's not as it's not as much a fait accompli as it might have seen that the Bills are going to own that for the next 5 to 7 years. It's football yeah, it's is hard as hell to maintain and sustain. And they've got some free agents coming up this season as well uh to throw things off. I I and, wanted uh... And Diggs hates Josh Allen as you saw on the sideline. Diggs is gone. <sighs> it's tough. Um Two non sequiturs to finish things up real quick. You posted a clip. I think of a, it was like Bills fans singing O Towns All or Nothing. Oh, that was great. That was Instagram. the O Town guy. Oh yeah, it was. So it was the O Town guy and Bills fans. All or Nothing. Yeah. Might might actually be the goat boy band song. You're right. In my opinion. You're not wrong. And I'm a boy band aficionado. Mm-hmm. So it's not that's not said with ignorance. It is Definitely one of the best boy band songs ever made. Have you ever heard the punk cover from Oh by Fake punk? ID? Yes. Fake ID, Bridgewater, Raynum, Braintree's own Fake ID. Shout out Ben Patricus. Um who went on to become the lead singer of the receiving end of the sirens. Yes, of course I've heard that. It was Maybe the Go um, Pop Goes Punk cover. It might be. You're right. Um but yeah, no, I uh yeah, that like for anyone that doesn't know the the guy from O Town is a Dolphins fan. It seems like, and I'm right. not a, a a deep fan of O Town. So my no. wife told me that was actually the O Town guy, right? But he was at the I tailgate. Told, I had to like do some digging to see who he yeah. was. Yeah, so he was at the Bills game. He's a Dolphins fan, and saw some Bills fans tailgating, belting out all or nothing because they're human beings and they have emotions, um, <laughs> and sang with them. And I thought it was a cool video. And there's I th- like, like I said. Well, there's two people in the world. Yeah. People who love O-Town and goddamn liars. It's true. So choose your side. I, I think that, like, it might already be for, like, a soccer team or something that I'm not aware of. But, like, I think that needs to become the next, like, viral song that everyone in a stadium yeah. sings. Because it's, like, one of yeah. the great sing-alongs of all time. Well, because um, um, Blink-182 got the avalanche last year. 
right. everyone yep. at, and like that song was 23 years old at the point nobody providence has taylor swift right yes so yeah. I, I do agree all or nothing in like a late timeout could really i mean new england had josie or whatever you yep. call it your love yep. um i think there is there's there's room for it so let this be a call to all professional and college teams all or nothing is up for grabs um two other uh to me best boy band songs of all time or i want that way and as long as you love me both by the backstreet boys but i would put all or nothing number one for me Ah, oh, that's a tough one. I think the call by the Backstreet Boys is right up there. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, 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 sorry. The one, the one. Okay. And um, I want to throw in sync in there, but Backstreet Boys had better production. They had better songs, I think. In sync had some did. more fun songs. Right. But I'm I'm probably missing one right now. If I were to get my playlist out, it'd be a whole it'd be a whole hour. <laughs> but I do think the one well, and the late. call, the one and the call by Backstreet Boys are, are up there with me, but. Yeah, O-Town's in there. There's there's no yeah. denying it. Deny it, um, and you'll get in a fight with me. There was a, a period of time when I was a sophomore in college where, for some reason, me and my college friends started watching someone from O-Town's reality show. It was some guy named Ashley Parker Angel. And yeah, he had what a was his show, show called? On MTV. I do not remember what the show was called. Okay, but we I watched it like, like every week at 4.30 or whatever it came on. I don't know. It was just another non-sequitur. Well, one final one. I know that people are invested in our Harry Potter talk. Uh huh. I forgot to mention this. In Harry Potter four, I was not ready for like the punk band that suddenly started playing during Is that like the prom. The, yeah, during their prom or whatever. I was like, where the hell did this come from? Like, why is this even happening right now? How did it? How's like how's like a punk band part of Harry Potter lore? Was it a real band? Because like in the nineties, that was a big thing. Like a popular sort right. of punk or radio band would be playing the house party. Right. So was it was it a real it band? Did you like, look it up? I looked it up. It was like members of Radiohead and someone else. I think the the band name in Harry Potter lore was called like something Sisters, Weird Sisters or something like that. I don't know. But mm. I no, I just I just need to mention that because we both like uh, you know, punk music and everything like that. And I just thought yeah. it was very unexpected. Oh, oh, one other thing. This is like no one's listening at this point, so I don't care. Um, don't say I, that. Don't somehow, say that. somehow on my TikTok, like the guy from Bowling for Soup has like reached my algorithm or something, and he said something <laughs> wild, and I haven't talked to anyone about this since he said it. But he was saying that when Bowling for Soup came up as a band in the 2000s, he was like, first he said like we were a pop punk band, and he was like, well, actually we were a punk band because no one was really saying pop punk at the time. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no one was saying pop punk in 2000 what are you talking about like i almost like commented under my own name being like this is unequivocally false like how can you even say this as a human being people weren't saying pop punk in 2000 that's insane that's like uh-huh. that's like clint eastwood saying like well we did the good bad and the ugly no one was really saying western right <laughs> it was just not a what? very popular term um that was the height of the pop punk era and now- yes I don't know that there's necessarily a definition of it but it's sort of like you know it when you hear it and right i only know maybe a handful of bowling for soup songs but that would be sort of the the the, proto, right. the prototype of pop they, punk so they're almost like so pop punk that like you might even be able to like eliminate the word punk from it so like yeah if i was going to call them like if i couldn't say pop punk and i could you yeah. only say like pop or punk i'd be like sorry guys you're you're a pop band you're yeah not a, well, like you're not a punk band like blink 182 is more pop than punk and I love right. Blink-182, so it's not an insult. 
No. It's just there are bands that sometimes have more of a pop sound. Right. Yeah. And I'd and also say like fast. It's I don't know the way that like Bowling for Soup came up, but like Blink One Eighty Two like made the ascent through sure. like basement, small club. Like Bowling for Soup just kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. It was like, who the yeah. hell is this Bowling for Soup band that has a hit all of a sudden? I don't know. Though I want to get this right, Doug. Uh, when they came out with the song Nineteen Eighty Five. Yeah. Um. Whoa. Sorry, I've got an alarm Uh-oh. going off. Uh, I don't know. I Sorry tried for to, me search. to wake up. I tried to search Wikipedia. It was 1985 Chicago Bears. He's not automatically loaded, but they came out that song in say 2001, right? Um, which would be what 16, 16? years. Yeah. So if you were to write that song today, I see, you see it all the time. If you write it today, oh, yeah. that would be like 2007. And it's like, no, I disagree with that. That is garbage. <laughs> throw that. Throw that thought in the trash. Yeah. That. Um, the. The wildest one of those that I saw. This is. This is the final thing I'm going to say because once again, no one needs to listen to our blathering on about all this stuff the wildest one that i saw recently it was probably on tiktok again because i'm just constantly scrolling on tiktok was that joe biden was born closer to abraham lincoln's second inauguration than like if he ran for president the second time his own inauguration which is like wild this has nothing to do with politics one way or the other but like that just seems like impossible but I guess it's true. I don't know. Um, I mean, he's an old fella. I don't yeah. think there's any way around that. I have one more, Doug. We'll, we'll end on mine. <laughs> yeah. And that is, I forget where I heard this, but that 70s show debuted in 1998. And remember when that came out, it looked like it was from a different world, <laughs> from like our parents in the 70s with the collars and the hair. Yeah. That took place, um, I want to get this right, 1998 to 1976. So it was 22 years separation if you were to come out with that 70s show now it would be 2001 and to me if you came out with the 2000 there'd be no people wouldn't see it and say that was a different era um so that's tough i don't know maybe i'm completely blind on that am i wrong if you came out with the 2001 show would it be visibly and obviously a different world from what we're living in am i that not gone not to the same degree i because i i've thought this before i'm sure that like women's fashion has changed significantly in the last like 20 years 30 years whatever it is but like generally i am wearing very similar clothes (laughs) to the clothes that i wore as like a senior in college and maybe even like a senior in high school yeah and And like, so from me, from senior in college to now was what, 15 years? So like, (laughs) so that's like 1970 to 1985. Or like, like 1985 to 2000 or like any 1965 to 1980. Like that's, I don't know. Pants have gotten smaller. Yeah. Pants have gotten a little like uh, if you watch old Tiger Woods clips from 2000, he's wearing right. the biggest pants ever. And you're like, whoa, yeah. I wore those too. But outside of that, it's not it's not yeah. like 70s style. Right. So yeah. okay, I feel better because that that one in particular, because I remember when that 70s show came out, it's like, oh, this is from 100 years ago in the 70s. <laughs> and now, well, did I, I've never told you this. When COVID started, and I was working from home, it was new and fresh and all that. And I yeah. put on, I have a DVD set of the 2004 ALCS in World Series. Oh, I have that too. So I threw that in just as like background while I worked. Yeah. And my daughter, who was uh, six at the time, says, Daddy, is everyone in this game who played, are they dead now? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, go to your room. You're grounded. <laughs> that was 
BS what you just said to me. I never want to see your face again. So I don't know. There is an element of denial on my part. No doubt about it. Oh, oh my God. All right. <laughs> I think that'll do it for the Pat's Chat podcast. Thank you, everyone who listened. Um, rate, review, subscribe. Um, I yeah, don't thanks even for know. listening, especially especially this one. Thank you. <laughs> especially the last, listening right now. <laughs> the last... Certainly the last 15 minutes, even I'd say yeah. the last 30 minutes or so of this podcast. But um, all right. Yeah. Maybe don't review after this one. Maybe wait until yeah, there's a... We'll see what we got Friday. <laughs> you never know. It could be better. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. All right. Bye.